Thank you all so much for coming. I want to uh, extend uh, first and foremost at the very outset um, my thanks to uh, Ms. Dorothea Krieger for sponsoring tonight's shiur uh, in memory of her father, Eliezer Natan ben Moshe Nachum HaKohen, Mr. Leo Krieger, Aleha Shalom. As Yart said, is today, the 9th of Sivan, and Dorothea told me that he was a Kohen in the fullest sense of what we mean by Kohanim, uh, that he was diplomatic, he loved harmony, he was Oev Shalom, Verodev Shalom, Mitamidav Shal, Aharon HaKohen, and disliked discord. He believed that every Jew is special, regardless of whether it's secular, traditional, or more observant. That is something for all of us to aspire to. And he was blessed with a beautiful voice and davened with kavana. Family, friends, neighbors, regardless of whether they were observant or secular, loved to come for Shabbat dinner. He was somebody that practiced what he preached and what he was about. And they would hear her father make Kiddush and they loved to come for Pesach Seder. And her dad, Mr. Leo Krieger, included everyone in the Seder and led it with the same melodies he heard from his grandfather. And she told me a story, Dorothea, early today, which I'm going to share at the outset, which is very beautiful. Uh, one story is that uh, one of her secular friends came to the Seder and had tears in their eyes, commenting that her father's voice was like the voice of an angel. His family loved, his, her dad loved family, and uh, he raised uh, Dorothea, he was your cheerleader, and he was the person that raised you into a person that continues in his ideals, and, uh, and it's our schus to be learning Torah in his merit and in his honor tonight. I'll also start by saying that I would feel remiss if I don't uh, give a moment to speak about, I know we talked about this last night at the Mishnasium, uh, I would be remiss if I did not say that um, the past six days, and especially the past 48 hours, have been incredibly fraught ones. It's almost impossible to forget, but here we are, that we're in the midst of a pandemic, which is still unresolved, which is still wreaking havoc on communities around the United States and the world. And within that, we are dealing with an unprecedented, another unprecedented time. I'm tired of saying that things are unprecedented, but yet here we are again. Um, and um, look, I, I think, uh, you know, once upon a time, I was... Uh, once upon a time, I used to pride myself in being like a tough guy, uh, pride myself in being, you know, the army. And, um, and uh, I think when you have kids, it changes a little bit. I don't feel so tough anymore. In fact, I feel scared. I feel scared for what's happening to our country. Um, I feel scared for what the future holds. And um, I hope very much. I mean, uh, on one hand, we daven for Shlom Malchus. Uh, because in Pirkei Avos, we daven for the government, because in Pirkei Avos says, if not for the Malchus, if not for the government, that man would swallow up their fellow man alive. And it certainly feels that we're in a time where people are swallowing each other up. And uh, I think that also, I don't want to pontificate or editorialize too much, but I think that whenever it comes to things like this as Jews, um, I feel especially nervous because um, as a Jew, I think that we know very much what it's like. Uh, our history just, uh, just a few generations ago or a generation ago, if you were a Russian Jew, knows what it's like to have the apparatus of the state mobilized against you when the law is not the same for you as it is for all other citizens. And we occupy a very precarious position as Jews, especially when dealing with matters of the authorities that are there ostensibly to protect us, and also our desire for justice and our desire for, uh, for, for nobody 
to be above the law and for nobody to be able to act with violence, with impunity. Um, I told the story after the death of Eric Garner. I was, uh, it was Parshas Vayigash. Um, I believe it was four years ago. Now, Eric Garner was the uh, black man who was selling cigarettes um, in, and was choked to death by a New York City police officer who was not sent to jail, despite the fact that we could hear Eric Garner saying, I can't breathe. And Rabbi Norman Lamb, Zeicher Tzadik Levracha, passed away yesterday, one of the, really one of the most important Jewish figures of this century, I think. I think Rabbi Lamb's contribution cannot be understated. For me personally, massive contribution. Rabbi Lamb uh, gave a, a lecture in 1968 uh, during the civil rights disturbances and violent riots throughout the United States at that time. And he talked about the precarious position that Jews occupy as being people that need the protection of the state um, when we're outside uh, Israel, I think it's fair to say, and also understand what it means when the state uh, literally puts its boot on top of us. We occupy, as always, a complicated, strange position as Jews. Um, so we still daven for Shlom Malchus, but we daven for a Malchus that is compassionate, that respects the rule of law, that respects people's rights, uh, regardless of the color of their skin or their financial position. And, um, and I'll say, as I said in the Mishnah shir yesterday, in the Mishnah seem yesterday, that we have something to run to, which is our Torah. And Torah has outlasted many, many disturbances, far worse than the one that we're living through now. And the Torah is an anchor, a millennia-old anchor that, that puts us in a place of calm, puts us in a place of connecting to something greater to us. So therefore, I think that with that preamble, there's no greater act that we can participate in for the next 45 minutes than our learning of Torah. And to use the words of Torah to, to strengthen ourselves, the words specifically of David HaMelech, of Noam Zmiros Yisrael, the sweet singer of Israel, to bolster our Amuna and our faith and to hope for a better tomorrow for all people. So with that having been said, I'm going to share my screen and we're going to jump into the shear without any further ado. So we were talking last time. I hope everybody can see my screen. We were talking last time about the practice of tikkun chatzot. Uh, tikkun chatzot, uh, I heard beautifully from my brother, tikkun chatzot, which is a custom that was developed by the Kabbalists of Tzvat in the 16th century and was elaboration of earlier statements from David HaMelech and in the Gemara of practices for mourning the temple and the destruction of the temple. So what the Kabbalists of Sfat did was they turned this ritual into something that had a far more robust liturgy um, that was a combination of psalms and uh, prakim from certain important sections in Tanakh, like from Eicha, from Yeshaya, prophecies of destruction, and this practice is a practice that was really for rarefied individuals. But as we see, it's as Rabbi Nachman says, it's actually for all of us. And Tikkun Chatzos is such a beautiful practice because it tells us even when things are fine, even when we could go back a few months ago and say, okay, things are relatively okay to a place of privilege and a place of calm. And Tikkun Chatzos is something that applies at all times. Because as Jews, we have an ongoing tragedy. We have an ongoing destruction that is in our lives. And that's the lack of the Beis HaMikdash uh, destruction and a breakdown of society that we are still mourning 2,000 years later. Rabbi Nachman writes over here, 
in Likutim Aran, Tinyana Kuf Aleph, and I'll apologize for constantly quoting Rabbi Nachman. I'm, there are other rabbis out there, believe it or not. Um, but, uh, but I find my soul drawn very, very close to Rabbi Nachman's writings, especially in times of anxiety and in times of religious struggle. Rabbi Nachman says the following and reframes Tikkun Chatzot, puts it in a totally different light. Amar, he says, source number six. Through the recitation of Tikkun Chatzos, through this practice, through this ritual, a person is able to express themselves in conversation, sicha, anything that's in your heart. In a similar effect to somebody that secludes themselves to speak to God. That's a Reference to another religious practice that Rabbi Nachman championed is that a person should take, whether it's an hour a day or 15 minutes a day, whether it's in deep in a forest or whether it's being mitbodeid betoch chaburat anashim, being mitbodeid and secluding oneself within many people around you is a pregnant moment for a person to be able to express the deepest recesses of their hearts. Now, this isn't just a resort to liturgy, to be sure. We have Shachris, Mincha, Emarev, and those are all places where we're also supposed to be in conversation with God. However, in Tikkun Chatzot, being Neur Balayla, which we talked about, right? Being Yichidi, being awake at that off-peak time that we talked about in the opening Shi'or, where it's only me and the other people in their own homes who are mourning their own tragedies, like the Medrash and Echarabba that said that Rabbi Meir would go up to his roof and he would hear a certain widow in his neighborhood, a woman who had lost a child in his neighborhood, and he would connect his mourning to her mourning. That's the off-peak avoda, the off-peak religious service of doing tikkun chatzot. So that's a special time for conversation, not just focusing on the liturgy, but focusing on ourselves, being a little bit narcissistic for a moment on our needs and on our conversation with God. Kimistama, enom rim chatzot al ha'avar. Rim Nachman says, it's not clear. In fact, it seems rather obvious that tikkun chatzot is not necessarily about the past. Not necessarily about the destruction of the temple. The ikar, he says, ikar amiras chatzos, the main part of saying tikkun chatzot, hu alma shenaase akshav. I'll say that again. Ki ein omrim chatzot al haavar. Tikkun chatzot, which is so readily associated with mourning the destruction of the temples, and to be sure still is, is not an act of remembering the past. We do that in other points. Ikra Miras Chatzos, the main work of Tikkun Chatzos, the main work of this ritual, Hu Al Mashenase Akshav, is about what's going on right now. If a person is suffering through a difficult moment now, personally or in societal level, that's what Tikkun Chatzot is. I mentioned that my brother told me something beautiful, his own idea. He said that Chatzot means to break things into halves, to break things into pieces. Certainly since the destruction of the temple, the Jewish people have been broken into pieces, spread out throughout a diaspora that's still millennia long. And the world has been rendered asunder, right? That's the day that we say, we'll see later on, that at the moment that the Aaron was brought into the temple, so Chazal tell us that heavens and earth came together. It was a sewing together of heavens and earth. And when the ark was removed and when the temple was destroyed, it was heavens and earth being ripped apart, torn asunder. That is, Tikkun Chatzos is a rectification of our world being torn to pieces and trying to put those pieces back together. 
אמירס חצוס הוא אמר שנעשה עכשיו עם האדם. וכשיאמר חצות בבחינה זו, when we talk about חצות in this way, זו יכולים למצוא כל אשר הם לבבו בתוך אמירס חצות. At that moment, when you're off peak, when it's the middle of the night and you're the one talking to God and you're sitting on the floor and you've removed your shoes and you covered yourself with ashes as certain tzaddikim in Yerushalayim and around the world used to do. So when they would do that, that's a moment to express everything in your heart, to recognize that the destruction of the temple is not just eights and va'avanim, not just sticks and stones, but it's the destruction of the very cornerstone of our hearts, a place that rests deep inside the soul and religious practice of every Jew and really every person. The Beis HaMikdosh was a place for all nations, as we're going to see. The Navi and Yeshaya told us, a place for the entire world, an anchoring point, a point that kept everything In, in its proper order of justice and mercy, all of the midos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we aspire to. He says, We have to find ourselves. We have to find our own selves in all of these psalms. And we have to find ourselves in all of the requests and in all of the liturgy that we put into all this. Without any sort of deep intellectualizing or deep introspection, it's easy to find ourselves in these psalms. It's easy to find ourselves in the words of David HaMelech. Especially in Tehillim. This is why when we seek out God in our most personal moments, when we seek to speak to God in the moments of deepest anguish and despair and joy, that the words that we find to express that are the words of David HaMelech, the words of Tehillim, which were connected ourselves and connected the entire Jewish world and connected the entire world, the, all the people in the world. He says, Shenemar Bishvil Klal Yisrael, That David HaMelech wrote Tehillim for all of Israel. Bishvil kol echad ve'echad beprat. Tehillim were written for you and for me. V'chol adam kol melchamos ha'yetzer. And all the inner struggles that we might have. Sh'yeshala v'chol ma'ashenase ima kol mevur mefurish betilim. So what we see over here is that Rabbi Nachman uses the concept of Tikkun Chatzos, the concept of this ritual, to say that this is the place that we find Tehillim acting for us, Tehillim giving us a language, Tehillim giving expression to what we feel. I feel scared right now, Tehillim gives something for me in that moment of being afraid. I feel anxious, Tehillim gives that to me. I feel joy, I saw a pigeon Aben today on Zoom, I feel joy, Tehillim is the words of expression for that also. I find joy in words of Torah, Tehillim, Tehillim gives words for that also, for the joy that we find on Hashem giving David HaMelech the Ruach HaKodesh to put into words, to put into expression, to put into text and to holy writ that which goes on inside of the Jewish person's heart. That's what Rabbi Nachman says and that comes to the fore when we find the minog, the practice of Tikkun Chatzos, this most deeply personal ritual, this most deeply personal moment, this moment of conversation, this off-peak conversation when the world is asleep, just me and my God, that is where we find David HaMelech giving expression. So Tehillim are deeply, deeply intertwined with the practice of Tikkun Chatzot. And as I'm going to show you, in Tikkun Chatzot we find some of the most poignant and powerful words of Tehillim. We're going to look at all of Tikkun Chatzot tonight. Well, not the entire thing, but a few of, uh, a few of the opening verses to all of the Psalms included in Tikkun Rachel and Tikkun Leah. 
One more source before we get into it. And this source comes from the Mesilas Yesharim. The Mesilas Yesharim is one of the most heavily accepted uh, uh, texts of all of Jewish history. Uh, it's become a foundational text of the Musr movement much later on. It's written by Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato. And the Chacham Litzato tells us at the end of Perak Yotes, this is the parts of Mesil Sisharim that people don't often get to. He says the following thing, and it's almost remarkable to hear the Ramchal, a person who had an angelic interlocutor who revealed Torah to him to give expression to what a simple Jew like myself might feel. V'im yomar adam. And if a person says, Mani umani safun, what's my, who am I and what's my ability? What's my role? That I should daven for the exile, that I should pour out my heart on the destruction of a temple 2,000 years ago. Because I daven, because I, because I tear up a little for the destruction of the temple, that's going to bring the exiles in, that's going to, that's going to bring our salvation. My tefillah, the Ramchal tells us that the answer is right next to us. Our prophets told us, and the Chazal tell us, This is why man, all humankind were created first by Adma Rishon, we were created alone. That each and every one of us should say, That it's not, I'm not allowed to shirk my responsibility. I'm not allowed to say, who am I? I'm not allowed to say, what's my ability? to be efficacious in my prayers. That the whole point of this is that people should first and foremost say, this world was created for me and I am responsible for this world. I'm responsible for what goes on here. I can't just hide. I can't just put myself on the side and say, I'll stay silent or I won't do anything. The world was created for me. I'm responsible for this world. That's the Gemara in Sanhedrin. And if for nothing else, if we don't even achieve our goals, if for nothing else, what we did do was that we gave Nachas Ruach, we showed Hashem, we gave Hashem Kivyachol a degree of satisfaction and joy of showing that we cared, showing that one person, this was meaningful, the destruction of the temple resonated in their hearts and that it caused them to cry. And even if that which we're asking for, even if it doesn't happen, says because it's not the right time or because HaKadosh Baruch Hu chafetz acher, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted something else. For whatever reason, if our prayers for the rebuilding of the temple and the ingathering of the exiles and the end to all human suffering, if that doesn't come true at that moment because I daven for it, at least I've done my part. At least I've done mine. And this brings a degree of joy and satisfaction to the divine. And we have our prophets to tell us what it looks like when people don't cry out for Zion, when people don't cry out for Yerushalayim, when people don't cry out or take time. It doesn't have to be Tikkun Chatzot if that practice is too hard. But if people don't focus on the loss of the temple and the destruction of Yerushalayim and what that does to our lives. The Navi tells us, Yeshaya told us, saw that there was no man, that we were astonished that there was no intercessor. Nobody was standing up for what was right. Nobody was praying to God about what was missing. Nobody even recognized. How bad is that? It's like, you know, um, my, my youngest daughter has this thing now with hide and go seek. She just constant, like, every five seconds is another hide and go seek game. 
And, uh, and, and, you know, my wife and I were looking at each other like, should we just ignore it? And there's something deep inside of us that says, if a child goes to hide, even if it's a game, the worst thing that you could ever do is not look for them. You always have to look for them. That there always has to be an intercessor. There always has to be somebody. When there aren't any people, be that person that keeps the destruction of your shalim and all that it signifies primary in their hearts. The Navi also said, I looked and I saw that there were no helpers. And I was astonished. I was silent. I was lost for words that there was nobody to uphold this. There's nobody that continued this practice. There are no people seeking out Zion. She is Zion and there are none that care for her. So therefore, Pershu Zichronum Levracha, that's why a rabbi said, Michlal Debaya Jerisha. From the fact that the Navi Yirmiya, Jeremiah said, Tsionhi, she's Zion and no one cares for her, that's why Michlal Debaya Jerisha. We see from here that we have an obligation, that we have incumbent upon all of us to seek out Zion in all that we do and to keep the destruction of the temple and to keep the destruction of Yerushalayim and all that happened from that, our exile, first to Bavel and then scattered throughout the four corners of the world waiting to be brought back to Zion. Says the Ramchal, it is clear from this that we are obligated in some measure or another to do the practice of Tikkun Chatzot. Whether it's in the middle of the night even though Tikkun Chatzot could be at any of the Mishmarot, any of the three watches of the night, or whether it's just a moment in the day to look up and to say to Hashem, Tzion, Yerushalayim, Beis HaMikdash, our world is being torn apart and has been ever since the destruction of the Temple. And Akisei Shalem, the Kisei is not complete. God's dominion of the world is Kivyachal incomplete without this place where Shamayim, where heavens and earth intersect at the rock of the world, the rock of ages, at the base of Har, of, of Har HaMoria, where heaven and earth come together. We have no right to say, I'm weak. What can I do with my words? We have no right to exempt ourselves due to our diminished strength. So here's Tikkun Chatzot. With that introduction, there's a lot more to say about Tikkun Chatzot. But with that introduction, what I want to do is go through some of the Psalms I brought more of the verses, and what we're going to do is very simple. You all know how to read the English here. Many of you know how to read the Hebrew. You don't need Josh Rosenfeld to do that for you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it slowly, offer some commentary, and show you what the Tikkun Chatzos is all about. And you have over here a general overview of Tikkun Chatzot with some important notes. And I brought most of the first verses. Tikkun Chatzot is broken up into two parts. There's Tikkun Rachel and Tikkun Leah. Without getting too much into it, Tikkun Rachel is said far more sparingly on all days that Tachnun isn't said, on holidays, on Cholamoid, on Rosh Chodesh, so, or in the house of a person making a bris or a wedding. So Tikkun Rachel is not recited. Tikkun Leah is recited far more often. Tikkun Rachel are verses from Tanakh, especially Tehillim, that talk about the destruction of the temple itself. And Tikkun Leah talk about the process of rebuilding the process of fixing that which has been destroyed and the return to Zion. So therefore, that owes to, its pra- to our practice of reciting Tikkun Leia, uh, even on days when Tachnun is said, uh, because it's psalms of rebuilding. But they're all psalms of lament and psalms that, have, that are tinged 
with a sense of loss and longing of ga'agu. And one of my favorite Hebrew words, it almost sounds like a baby saying gaga, waiting for its mother, its parent to come. Ga'aguim is a kind of longing, almost like a baby longing for something. Ga'aguim, ga'agu'e nefesh. So we go gaga, we cry gaga for the temple, uh, so to speak. Let's take a look at Tikkun Chatzot. One other quick thing for Rabbi Nachman. When I talk about kavana, what it means to have intention. When we say these things, Rabbi Nachman writes in a number of places, it's as simple as my mind paying attention to that which is coming out of my mouth. Nothing fancy. Not knowing the Kabbalistic interpretations, Rabbi Nachman said we don't need that, right? Without getting too into, you don't need to know Rashi, you don't need to know all the translations where it's paying attention on the most basic level in tefillah and in recitation of Tehillim to the things that come out of my mouth. Uh, by the way, our learning today should also be uh, for uh, for my uncle Yosef Ben Sarah. He should have a, a speedy Rafuashlema as well. So we start out with Psalm 137. Al Naros Bavel, Sham Yashavnu Gambachinu Bizachrinu Sion, by the rivers of Babylon, 